name is Amanda. And I'm Kristen. And, and we are the Extra Sisters. Sisters. So sit back, relax, and let's get creepy. Welcome to the first, first, because we have two this month, because two. it's October <laughs> of the first happy hour of the month. And in this happy hour, we're going to start off your October with some culture. We're going to... <laughs> educate you with some history and ourselves there's definitely stuff i learned oh i learned a lot like i'm usually (laughs) the one that's like i have some things and you have all the history i fucking went hard in the paint um (laughs) (laughs) i have a lot so we are actually going to talk about different halloween traditions from around the world and also i diverted a little bit because it couldn't stop and I have <laughs> some history on some of our own traditions and also a history on one of our Halloween urban legends which okay I that know sounds that, exciting yeah we have like some stuff coming up but like it pertained to Halloween so I wanted to put it in there because it just kind of came up when I was researching and I thought it was interesting so this is definitely a more historical one so I hope it's not boring because a lot of this like I got a lot of my information from the history channel but cool yeah it's it is really interesting and especially because this is our fucking time you guys yeah Kristen and I are still remote like I I actually we've seen each other recently finally yeah but uh, we still are trying to be as safe as possible and also she doesn't live in the same city as me anymore also that yeah (laughs) but also again just being as safe as possible we're still distanced but we both have our own spooky setups and we're both trying to vibe so we have like I have my sweet cinnamon pumpkin candle going and Mm -hmm. I have some spooky snacks I have some maple kettle corn from Trader Joe's and some carrot cake Oreos and I have enough lemonade vodka to start a car so (laughs) I love that. I made some spiced cupcakes. I got the candles going. I went to Starbucks and got apple cider and I'm ready. I'm ready. My, I also like, I know this isn't anything new, but like my real tarantulas really just give the spooky room an extra (laughs) kick. I bet. And I ordered, not that anyone cares. Maybe I'll take a picture when it's all done. I ordered shelving for them. So eventually just a little, I don't know, like we've been batting around this idea for a long time, but like pandemic and like my crippling self-esteem. So we want to like eventually start a YouTube channel. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, Uh, if we ever record now that we both have spaces, we could record at both places. But like if we record in this room, you just have like a wall of tarantulas behind me. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's yeah. Very spooky vibes. All the spooks. I know the lemonade's not spooky, but I really didn't have any other mixers. Hey, that's how I feel. I am also, I got my wine, but I also have a freezerita because I found them. They're alcoholic popsicles and that's awesome, but that's not very spooky. <laughs> I'm still eating it. Yeah. Also, if you go, if any of y'all have Costco memberships, I know they had them out during the summer. They have like, Northerners call them otter pops, but in the south i don't know in texas or at least where i'm from we just called them like you know little popsicles in the sleeves they have uh, alcoholic ones of those those are pretty good too eating yeah that's i mean that's what it looks like it looks like an otter pop oh are they the kirkland brand because those are really good oh no i have the whoever makes the burritos they may freezer ones now i have the freezer one i think it's bud light anyway yeah them (laughs) but yeah i've had my 
Halloween decorations up since the first second week second week of September like before the second weekend but like the second week something like that <laughs> is that right whatever I the week after Labor Day was it doesn't matter <laughs> that the week after Labor Day but before that weekend the yeah but so uh, it's spooky season that's what I'm getting around to and I have a shit ton of stuff on Halloween now Halloween is different this these are like Halloween like traditions so it's not necessarily all on October 31st or called Halloween or All Hallows Eve but very similar spiritual things relating to death spirits ghosts or the like kind of what I was getting to Mm -hmm. so I am going to start on a long one because what I'm starting with is actually where modern Halloween came from came this well how about actually we already talked about this a little bit I got excited my Halloween before I get into this one growing up is we've actually I probably talked about this a couple times because we've done Halloween and Halloween episodes but just a quick recap if you're new which I know some of you are because I've seen our first episode spike recently hey yay Appreciate it. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's exciting. It is exciting. So I grew up, so my birthday is the day after Halloween and All Saints Day, which actually we're going to talk about a little bit, at least in some of mine. Mm -hmm. And so Halloween was always a big deal because it often got tied in with my birthday. Mm -hmm. I'm sure. Yeah. So of course we would go trick-or-treating. Oftentimes we would go to, when I was little, my grandmother's house first, and we would make like Halloween treats, like cupcakes or spooky cookies or like just something like that. Mm -hmm. And then of course we would go trick-or-treating and then we would come back and we would all dump our candy out and go through them. And I would get rid of all the chewy fruity shit and all I wanted was all the chocolate. So yeah. <laughs> I'm the opposite. I'm all about the fruity part. Oh my god, we would have been like I know, man. The best counterpart. <laughs> like I was like, get the Starburst and Skittles out of my fucking bag. <laughs> I want the Reese's, the Snickers, the M and like all it's all I wanted. And then still to this day, like I don't like the fruity candy. That's fucking no, trash. You're crazy. I'm getting ready to try to get bags together because you know, COVID, but yeah. bags together for candy for this Halloween. And I'm like, okay, it's all chocolate right now. We gotta get some fruity stuff for the kids who like fruity stuff not the crazy ones no no no. (laughs) you would have been my least favorite house (laughs) been like this house is garbage (laughs) so get these out of there exactly so we would of course you know trade candy around but then it was like time for my birthday so then i'd move on and be like okay like it's present time presents yeah (laughs) and so depending on like what was going on for my birthday this year we would either like start with like my birthday stuff with my cousins all my cousins would also come over and we'd all be together so it depends on the neighborhood we'd either go to my grandparents house or because I grew up in the country so we had to always go somewhere else because when houses are half an acre apart like (laughs) you know nobody's trick-or-treating out there and there are no streetlights so so we'd always go somewhere else and so the cousins would meet up and we'd you know we'd we'd do that thing when I got a little older and trick-or-treating wasn't a thing anymore So, you know, middle school age, because we lived out in the country, we could burn shit 
<laughs> so we would do my dad and I, I've talked about this before, had a huge bond over spooky and horror mm-hmm. because he always was very accepting of my alternative interests. <laughs> and so the fact, and he always loved horror. So the fact that his daughter was getting into scary and spooky and rock music. He was eating that shit up. (laughs) So we would throw Halloween parties for my birthday for my friends. So he would just go all out. He would buy the spooky sound CDs. He'd go to spirit and buy them out. Like all the decor. We never had any of the animatronics because like we lived out in the country. So I mean, we people would see them for like one night, so yeah. it was kind of hard to justify buying three hundred dollar animatronics when kids aren't really coming up to your house. Right? Had we lived in a neighborhood, fucking bet. But <laughs> but he would turn our front yard into these zombie graveyards and our garage into these haunted houses, and he would. Do you have these- any pictures? God, my mom, my mom probably does somewhere. I'm going down to Texas soon and I'll have to ask her. Like she's got photo albums on photo albums, but like we had this living room space and he, I remember one year turned it into this whole like fortune telling room with these mirrors that like came to life and black lit everything. So he just would go all out. The garage would be like this walk through like kind of haunted house type thing. And then we'd go to the- Did he ever let you pick the theme? No. Oh. <laughs> he was always a surprise. Well, he wanted to scare me. Oh, I see. Yeah. I see. So he didn't want me involved because he wanted me to do the walkthrough before my friends came over. So he he was like, this is how I'm going to get them. You know? Ah, I see. Yeah. So he would do all of that. And then when we would be out in the bonfires, he'd take the chain off his chainsaw and then, you know, chase all the children around. And then they would never be allowed to come back over except for my, <laughs> my true, true friends. Cause you know, you just hand invitations out to everybody and it'd be a whole big thing. So that's kind of what <laughs> Halloween was growing up to me. And then when I got older Halloween, we would still have the parties and it would just be, you know, 15, 16 year olds watching horror movies all night, but he would still go all out on the decorating and try really hard to scare us. Mm-hmm. But yeah that's pretty much it was still it was always a big deal in my family and it still is like it's it's still huge like I decorate like I I posted something on Facebook around like it got down to 70 degrees one day like in August and I was like I'm powering up this is it you know (laughs) exactly but we'll get to yours in a minute but talking about where Halloween came from everything cool starts with paganism Hells yeah. And my people. It all started in like Ireland, Scotland. And yes. I'm like, yes, yes. Right. Yep. Modern Halloween started as something called Samhain. And that's how it's spelled Samhain, but it's Samhain is how you say it. Modern Halloween, as we celebrate and observe it in America, comes from a pagan religious festival originating in Ireland area, but it's Celtic. So not yeah. necessarily just Ireland, but everything in that region. Okay, so, and it's from Celt spiritual tradition. Now, before we move on, I wanted to find pagan real quick because I think when people say pagan, and I've just recently started educating myself on paganism, uh, pagan a lot, because y'all know that I have religious issues, so I'm always researching. <laughs> pagan just means anything that is of not Western or major world religions. So, pagan does not mean Wiccan or one particular religion. 
it just means anything that's not Christian, Muslim, Jewish, etc. So just to define okay. that. Okay. Ancient Celts marked Samhain as the most significant of the four quarterly fire festivals taking place at the midpoint between the fall equinox and the winter solstice. During this time of year, hearth fires and family homes were left to burn out while the harvest was gathered. After the harvest work was complete, celebrants joined with Druid priests to light a community fire using a wheel that would cause friction and spark flames. Which is super cool how they did stuff like that. You know, like yeah. just the primitive engineering. That's super Yeah. Neat. The wheel was considered a representation of the sun and used along with prayers. Cattle were sacrificed and participants took a flame from the communal bonfire back to their home to relight the hearth. Early That's text, cool. Yeah. Early texts present Samhain as a mandatory celebration lasting three days and three nights where the community was required to show themselves to local kings or chiefs. Failure to participate was believed to result in punishment from the gods, usually illness or death. They Sweet. also had monsters. So... And getting the vibe here. <laughs> it was expected that ancestors might cross over during this time as well, and Celts would dress as animals and monsters so that fairies were not tempted to kidnap them. So again, we've talked about like Irish horror movies, for example, recently. Fairies. So some cool fairies, there. changelings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some specific monsters were associated with the mythology surrounding Sowway, Sowin. Sorry, I've already started drinking. This is gonna be bad. <laughs> Especially because it gets harder to pronounce with the different countries I have in here. Including a shape-shifting creature called a puka, I think, that mm -hmm. receives harvest offerings from the field. The Lady Gwyn is a headless woman dressed in a white who chases night wanderers and was accompanied by a black pig. The Dulahan sometimes appeared as impish creatures, sometimes headless men on horses who carried their heads. Riding flame-eyed horses... Their appearance was a death omen to anyone who encountered them. A group of hunters known as fairy host, or fairy host, but I'm pretty sure it's host, might also haunt Samhain and kidnap people. Similar are the Slok who would come to the West to enter houses and steal souls. Now this is where it gets very Halloween-ish, like we currently know it. In the Middle Ages, new traditions emerged, which we still see today. Carved turnips, called jack-o'-lanterns, began to appear, attached by strings to sticks and embedded with coal. Later Irish traditions switched to pumpkins. In Wales, men tossed burning wood at each other in violent games and set off fireworks. In northern England, men paraded with noisemakers. The tradition of dumb supper began during this time in which food was consumed by the celebrants but only after inviting ancestors to join in, giving the families a chance to interact with the spirits until they left following dinner. Children would play games to entertain the dead while adults would update the dead on the past year's news. Which I love. They're just hanging yeah, that's out awesome. with the dead. The kids are playing games with the dead and the adults are like, so here's what's been going on since you've been dead this past year. <laughs> <laughs> that night, doors and windows might be left open for the dead to come in and eat cakes that had been left for them. Until the Christian takeover. Dun, dun, dun. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> As Christianity gained a foothold in pagan communities, church leaders attempted to reframe... This tra these traditions as a Christian celebration. 
which can I just say Christmas? <clears throat> what about uh, like I'm confused. Then changing Christmas, like just you know, their holiday was also not theirs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the first attempt was by Pope Boniface in the fifth century. I still probably didn't say that right. I'm sorry. <laughs> he moved the celebration to May 13th and specified it as a day celebrating saints and martyrs. The fire festivals of October and November, however, did not end with this decree. In the 9th century, Pope Gregory moved the celebration back to the time of the fire festivals, but declared it All Saints Day on November 1st. Shout out. <laughs> All Souls Day would follow on November 2nd, which those are still on the calendars. So mm -hmm. November 1st and 2nd are those days. Neither new holiday did away with the pagan aspects of the celebration. October 31st became known as All Hallows' Eve, or Halloween, and contained much of the traditional pagan practices before being adapted in the 19th century. America through Irish immigrants bringing their traditions across the ocean. Trick-or-treating... That's right. Shout out! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trick-or-treating is said to have been derived from ancient Irish and Scottish practices in the nights leading up to it. In Ireland, mumming was the practice of putting on costumes, going door-to-door, -door, and singing songs to the dead. And then the cakes were given as payment. Halloween pranks also having a tradition, though the, in the ancient celebration, tricks were typically blamed on fairies. Interesting. That's yeah. cool. So that's where Halloween came from, which I don't think anybody's really argued that it didn't come from like Christianity because the Christians have been trying to take it down forever. I don't even think it's Halloween <laughs> in Hobby Lobby this year because I still haven't seen it. So yeah, they're like, yeah. no, 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 that's that's Satan. Exactly. Totally is. Let kids Bring it. Up in costumes and feel nice and get candy. I don't get it. No, because in this imaginary world ever after in the clouds, they may not make it there. I'm just saying, I don't want to make it there. That sounds real boring. Just since the last time we talked about religion, I have so much more to say, but I just can't do it in this one. We'll save that for later. <laughs> Probably for the best. All right. Moving on, I did a few different countries. I'm kind of excited. The first one I have is Romania. Over the years, countless numbers of fearless tourists traveled to Transylvania to celebrate Halloween with costume parties, storytelling, and actors playing out Dracula-inspired scenes. Halloween is a special occasion in places like the Gothic fairy tale castle Bran near Brasov in Transylvania. Bran is often associated with 15th century Prince Vlad Tepe, he was around 1431 to 1476, the inspiration for Bram Stoker's Dracula. It is difficult to know if the prince ruled over Bran Castle, but it can be asserted that he was taken to Bran Castle and locked inside for about two months. While some Romanians observe Halloween on October 31st, St. Andrew's Night, November 30th, is when the garlic is brought out as a form of protection against ghosts, a traditional superstitious act of fun that is still practiced today. Now, I'm not done with Romania, but I do want to shout out that we have a patron who's from Romania. Um, Let us know. Do you guys celebrate? I would also like to know. <laughs> I read a couple different things about now, not in the ones that I have, I don't think, but that a lot of American influence has made it over to a lot of other countries, and that's where mm -hmm. it comes from. So I read it was pretty similar, but... 
Yeah, and that was basically all they have on Halloween. The next part that I have about Romania is about St. Andrew's Night, which is more interesting. Once again, this is not October 31st, this is November 30th. So, there are a few pre-Christian Romanian traditions connected to St. Andrew's Day, some of them having their origin in the Roman celebrations of Saturn. The Dacian New Year took place from the 14th of November until the 7th of December. This was considered the interval when time began its course. One of the elements that came from the Roman and Thracian celebrations concerned wolves. During this night, wolves are allowed to eat all the animals they want. It is said that they can speak too, but anyone that hears them will soon die. Early on St. Andrew's Day, the mothers go into the garden and gather tree branches, especially from apple, pear, and cherry trees, and also rose bushes. They make a bunch of branches for each family member. The one whose bunch blooms on New Year's Day will be lucky and healthy the next year. The best-known tradition connected to this night concerns matrimony and premonitory dreams. Single girls must put under their pillow a branch of sweet basil. If someone takes the plants in their dreams, that means the girl will marry soon. They can also plant wheat in a dish and water until New Year's Day. The nicer the wheat looks that day, the better the year to come. In parts of Ukraine, Germany, Austria, Slovakia, Poland, Russia, and Romania, a superstitious belief exists that the night before St. Andrew's Day is especially suitable for magic that reveals a young woman's future husband or that binds a future husband to her. The day was believed to be the start of the most popular time for vampire activity, which would last until St. George's Eve, April 22nd. In Romania, it is customary for young women to put 41 grains of wheat beneath their pillow before they go to sleep. And if they dream that someone is coming to steal their grains, that means they're going to get married next year. Also, in some other parts of the country, the young women light a candle from the Easter and bring it at midnight to a fountain. They ask St. Andrew to let them glimpse their future husband. St. Andrew is also the patron saint of Romania and the Romanian Orthodox Church. It's so interesting to me that... I'm not going to go into religion. I'm not going to go into religion. I'm not going to go into religion. We can't. We always go into religion. We can't do it in this one. It's already, you have nine and a half pages. I have five pages. This is already going to be like a three hour episode. Okay. (laughs) It's just so interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to burst a blood vessel. I can't. Okay. We'll just keep going. (laughs) I'm going to eat my popcorn. Eat my popcorn. All right. I did a couple little blips of countries because they didn't have a lot to offer because they don't really celebrate Halloween, but I was still interested. So I wanted to know. So I put it on there anyway. And my first one was Egypt. Everyone should know by now, or if you're new, I love Egypt, have loved it since I was nine years old. I want to, you know, be there, but I can't because, you know, tyrants. So Egypt Halloween is mostly for U.S. expats and their kids, but younger Egyptians are starting to use it as an excuse to wear crazy outfits and go to parties around the city. They even have news articles telling them where the best Halloween parties will be. Traditional Egyptians look at Halloween as something not to be celebrated, since it feels like celebrating death. You know, I think that normalizing death, I know different cultures think different things, isn't necessarily a bad thing because it's so scary or can So Agreed. I think you should. I I really like, I'll get to it when I talk about Day of the Dead, but I think that's what you should do. Like, death, everyone's, no one gets out of here alive. We're all going to have to go through it. We should kind of normalize it. Oh my god, that's why the Book of Life and also Coco are two of my 
my favorite films ever mm-hmm. like because uh, Day of the Dead is and I try really hard to tread the line of respect and appropriation of Day of the Dead culture but it's so comforting because we don't do that in our culture I mean even Halloween it's great and everything and we talk about like dressing up as killers and phantoms and but it's not we, we it's not a celebration of the dead it's not it's like a lot of the things we talk about as being similar to Halloween are celebrations of the dead but let's be real as the modernized american halloween it's not but yeah, I was going to say, it used to be, you flat out said that people used to talk to their ancestors about exactly. what happened in the past year. That's now, what that's about. But yeah, Exactly. It's now it's a commercialized holiday, you know, just like everything else yeah. is, including the religious holidays. In America. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm not necessarily because- Christian and I fucks with Christmas. You know, like I love buying <laughs> shit, decorating. It gives me all the warm fuzzies. I love giving gifts. You know, I love watching the movies. It's all, I love consuming it. I'm not going to lie. But, you know, it's not mm-hmm. about honoring the dead, which I feel like I would love to participate in more. It's just hard when, oh. I feel like I'm going to burst a blood vessel again. I'm riding the line of atheism pretty hard. And it's hard because atheism mm-hmm. is, I don't believe in anything after this, you know, which also pertains mm-hmm. to a- any sort of afterlife, which I don't necessarily, you know, it's, it's just like, I don't want to subscribe to that either. So that's why I'm like agnostic, <laughs> which is a kind of a scapegoat, but not necessarily, I guess, but it's just so funny that my religious views right. and my sexuality, I'm like pansexual agnostic. I'm like literally everything and nothing at the same time. So it's just, I don't know. I just wish that we had kept some of those traditions alive, you know, as opposed to mm-hmm. the more commercial parts of it. Well, actually reading, I got, I did Mexico. So of course yeah. I looked into Day of the Dead. And I have been really interested in it for years, ever since my baby died, honestly. My my cat, who I've told you guys that he was like my son, ever since he died, I've really been interested in it because I want to keep that memory alive. And now that I have read more into it, and it's not just a Mexican cultural thing, people in Poland do similar things. It's not as sugar skulls and bright and vibrant but they still do the same thing they go visit their relatives they bring them food and leave it on the the gravestones and hang out with them for the day just because that came that was a catholic thing that really came in so of course mexico did already have it with with the aztecs and stuff so they were already there but once catholicism spread everywhere other countries got it too so i'm feeling less bad about quote-unquote appropriating that because I feel like I'm not appropriating it if I'm using it for my own spiritual being like I feel like I'm very much a hodgepodge of a bunch of things I tell a lot of people you know I believe some of the Hindu things and I believe that life continues but I'm also Catholic and I'm still interested in some of that and I think this is something that I'm gonna add to me and I really want yeah. to start and doing that And when I say year. appropriation, I just mean like you just need to, people need to be careful about things that they consume and 
like like when you say sugar skulls it's the same thing when somebody yeah. goes and gets a dream catcher tattooed on them like don't don't exactly do that. you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying like be aware right. and respectful of what you're doing and why you're doing it the same way you would a native culture to the united states like you know what i'm saying yeah. No, I know exactly what you're saying. And that's, it's taken a lot of soul searching on my end because I don't want to be one of those assholes. So I really want to make sure that I'm doing it for me. And I feel like I, yeah, I especially am if now. you are, I mean, we're all always searching for an answer and for understanding. And if you find that in mm-hmm. another country's culture, because we don't fucking have as white people culture, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I don't right. mean like American white people. I mean, honestly, I don't know shit about shit like Protestant, Christian, like white Protestants. We don't have, I don't know, I don't have any culture. Well, yeah, it's all been beaten out of you. You're not allowed to have any. You're supposed to be a lockstep soldier like everyone else to get into heaven. And I don't, I don't yeah. abide by that. So, and you're not supposed to talk to the dead. Because they're not supposed to be there anymore. You know, and I understand that. But that gives you no closure. Exactly. And also, I think that... Once again, I'll talk about it later. But I think that the the Day of the Dead, putting death in your face, not in a mean way, but there. It's there all the time. People are constantly dying. Exactly. Acknowledge it instead of hiding from it. Because you hide from it, it makes it more scary. And honestly, I don't want to raise my kids in fear of death it's or it's gonna happen and that's terrible for everybody but it's gonna happen and i want them to be used to the concept Fuck the turf she that she is which if you don't know that's a trans exclusionary radical feminine wait sorry i'm drunk yeah fuck a turf jk rowling we don't she's she didn't she's not an author she didn't harry potter just came out of nowhere but i know i'm fucking struggling yeah, with her right now man Stop doing that. You wrote these stories that children grew up on. A generation grew up on. Stop Trans being an asshole. Trans rights are human rights and our women's rights. Anyways. Even even if you disagree with it, keep it to your fucking self. Yeah. You don't have to post about it. You don't have to write a book about it. Stop being an it. asshole. And a turf. Yeah. But she, when she... I'm just going to say, in Harry Potter, when they talked about the Deathly Hallows and how he greeted death as an old friend, that was a great story, I think, too. Because the other brothers tried to run from it and elude death. And the last brother just lived his a, a long life and just got away from death long enough to live a good life. And then he greeted death as an old friend and went with him. You know, I know we can't all live long lives, but as long as, you know, I think, you know, the pain of death is scary. We've talked about that before. But as far as actually dying, the only thing that's scary about that is the this perpetuation. God, here we go. This perpetuation of this hell culture. That's the only, literally the only thing that's scary about death is people telling you you're going to go to hell, period. I I mean, I get your point, but I disagree because there are plenty of people that the thought of nothingness scares that's true, the fuck out but of you them. don't know you're in nothingness, though. That's where I feel. Like, if it happens, whatever it happens, I don't understand why that's something you should fear your whole life if there's nothing. Gone. There's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about you're it. You're just if there's gone, too. There. It's not like you have awareness of nothing. Exactly. 
You literally just went to sleep and never you woke up. You don't have up. any awareness of that. If there is yeah. nothing, then you just are no longer suffering and you're done. That's it. Exactly. But there are lots of people that are terrified and, of I that mean, concept. I understand. Like, we live such Why? vibrant lives and for it to end in nothing... Especially if you are just coming to terms with that after, let's say, a life of religion and then ha coming to terms with that. Maybe that's not what you believe anymore. I totally understand that that's scary. Or maybe you've just never believed anything and you're like, can't come to terms with that. There's nothing after this. And why are you here? That's like life purpose stuff, too. I kind of have to yeah. had to let go of life's purpose because I was forced that like what is my purpose I gotta go to call blah 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 like I don't give a shit about that anymore I feel like my day to day is my purpose to just get not get through it in like a fucked up way but just like I'm just here to <laughs> just be as happy as I can possibly be like I recommend you go to therapy to try to figure out what that is for you to be honest <laughs> it, right yeah. no I totally agree anyways <laughs> Right. All right. First tangent Next is out of the one. way, but don't expect it to be the last one. Y'all, especially know how because this goes, I am drinking vodka this time, and if you don't know how that goes by now, I was gonna say if you're new here, when Amanda drinks vodka, it's going we have lots of tangents. <laughs> All right, Russia. In Russia, most Christians are Orthodox, and in the Orthodox Church, Halloween is on the Saturday after Pentecost, and therefore four to five months before Western Halloween. Celebration of Western Halloween began in the 1990s, around the downfall of the Soviet regime, when costume and ghoulish parties spread throughout nightclubs throughout Russia. Halloween is generally celebrated by younger generations and is not widely celebrated in civic society. In fact, Halloween is among the Western celebrations that the Russian government and politicians, which have grown increasingly anti-Western in the early 2010s, are trying to eliminate from public celebration. Interesting, interesting. 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 <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. Maybe we'll be next once Russia takes us over. Registered about Halloween everywhere. <laughs> save Halloween! Oh, that's what we gotta pitch. Put that on a bumper sticker. Hashtag save Halloween 2020. <laughs> God fucking exactly. I cannot get into that tonight. Okay, we're not gonna get into that tonight. Actually, let's... We talked about you and your start your with turn. Halloween. Let's talk about my start with Halloween. Now, my start with Halloween is also gonna be a place. And I'm going to talk about Manitou Springs, Colorado, which is where Oh my god, I love I Manitou. Up. It's the and fucking cutest. If you ever like want a vacation in Colorado Springs, skip it. Go to Manitou. <laughs> yes. Honestly, when people quote unquote come to Colorado Springs for like tour groups and all of that stuff, it's not for anything that's in Colorado Springs. When you come here, it's for stuff that's in Manitou. You come for Pikes Peak, you come for Cave of the Winds, you come for Garden the stuff the that's gods, in Manitou. Manitou. Garden of the Gods. None none of the shit that Colorado Springs is like, come to beautiful Colorado Springs. None of it's there. They talk right now about you coming for the Olympic Training Center. Who the fuck is actually coming for that shit? Nobody. You're coming for I the mean, I know you've lived here all stuff. your life, but I've lived here for five years and I've never been to the Olympic Training Center. <laughs> same i've literally never gone they did just 
recently, like within the last month, open up a brand new facility, which by the way, just gonna comment, they stole the money, kind of like a weird wall that we have on our southern border of the United mm-hmm. States. Now, they stole the money for this beautiful Olympic Training Center Museum when we voted over and over again that we didn't want it. They went, oh, you're wrong. You don't know. And they took the money and built it anyway. So I will never step place in that building because you're fucking thieves. But we do have this brand new building if anybody loves the Olympics it and wants to go see it. Fucking did that have fun. with the, I'm sorry, nobody gives a shit about this. They expanded I-25 from Colorado <laughs> Springs to Denver, and we were like, yeah, and then they were like, oh, we're going to make it a fucking toll lane, and we were like, what? A toll. <laughs> yeah. I didn't vote for that. <laughs> yeah. Also, I just want to comment. They they are ruining our city, you guys. Like, they built, they stole the money to build that big thing. They're trying to build a sports arena, and our downtown is small. It is still feeling like a small city. We have one, one highway in the state. And it goes directly through downtown. I don't know how they think that sporting events are going to come out and not be stuck on the highway for hours. It's going to happen. It's going to suck. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, (laughs) I don't support not moving here because I think that's bullshit. Like, stop moving to Colorado. We're full. I think you should move where your heart feels content. But also, just know we're super congested. And yeah. We're struggling. But like, again... Just know that if you move here, we're struggling. <laughs> Anyways, you go. You go. <laughs> All right. So Manitou Springs, Colorado is maybe a half an hour west of Colorado Springs. And it's where I grew up. And it is literally at the foot of Pikes Peak. It is in the corner pocket of this valley at the bottom of this mountain. Literally, the cog railway goes up the top of Pikes Peak. And it is like the dead end of Manitou. Okay. So we're right there. And I have been there my whole life, and they are very weird. Honestly, I remember talking to my mom when I was younger about how, and I have talked to Connor because Connor has lived here basically as long as I have, and his dad was more in the uh, shadier side of things, and he was would also talk about how Manitou was always known for the witches. Always. It's always been known to have witches. You know that if you go into Manitou, you're getting into the occult and satanism you're getting into the creepy stuff honestly in the 80s it was super creepy like it wasn't the best part of town to go to because of the witches but honestly witches yeah okay sorry to interject like wiccan witches are some of the coolest fucking people to have on your side though and like also like super cool people in general but like it just depends. Like, I think there's a lot of, like, oh, my God, witches. But, like, honestly, cool people. Anyways. Speaking as a witches, yeah, are pretty cool people. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Yeah. So, in Manitou Springs, after all of that, as I was growing up, I got to do a lot of cool things around Halloween. Because the number one thing that I can always remember is Manitou always had this thing called trick-or-treating through the merchants. And it was literally after school, we would get let out early on Halloween and all of us kids in our costumes because we wore them that day because it was, you know, fun. We would get to go down to the bottom of the hill because literally my elementary school was at the top of the hill. And then our city center with all the shops, the commerce was at the bottom of that same hill. So we would all just wander down to the bottom of the hill and go from shop to shop and the shopkeepers would hand out candy. 
that's mostly how I trick-or-treated. I didn't really trick-or-treat around neighborhoods a lot. So I remember doing trick-or-treating with the merchants every year, and it was always so much fun. And when doing it, there were always these two parents, and I don't know who it was because I was a little kid, but there were always these two parents that every year one of them would dress up as Michael Myers and the other would dress up as Jason Voorhees. And one would take one side of the street and the other would take the other side of the street. And occasionally you'd just be walking along and you'd see one of them. And then you look across the street and, oh my God, wait, I thought Michael Myers was on my side. Now he's on that side. And they would just switch occasionally to fuck with people the whole time. They never did anything wrong. They just walked back and forth. That was so much fun. That's like that guy. I told, I said it last year. There was a guy that walked around our streets dressed as Michael Myers, but my friend's dad got really mad at them for scaring the children. And I was like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, exactly. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> it was so much fun. It was like, it's one of those things that I will always remember that they did it because it was so cool. Now, we would also do other things. Th these are just the childish things so far. So we would also have a cakewalk, which would be in my city auditorium, which was the same place that my elementary school was, which was also an incredibly haunted building. So that was fun. We would do the cakewalk there, or we would go down to the city hall, once again, just the bottom of the hill, and we would do, like, carnival booths. Like, you could, you know, throw the hacky sack in there to get all these fun little toys. And that was super fun when I was little. As I was getting older, there were other things. So I started doing haunted tours of Manitou, which is what helped me learn the most information about Manitou history, honestly. And I'm not going to talk about it all here because it's a lot. And honestly, I'd like to do an episode on it at some point. Honestly, we should do like haunted places of America, like more mm -hmm. specifically Agreed. like near where we're from. I don't know. Honestly, if you guys blow us up, which would be super cool, we could afford to like travel to places which we wouldn't have to travel <laughs> to Manitou Springs, but that'd be cool to like, like we did with the Stanley. Go to Salem. Yes. Do Halloween in <laughs> Salem. I hear Halloween in Salem is just super fucking cool. I've been like, it's on my bucket list to go, Same. but I'm not done with Manitou. Not done with Manitou. So they also had pumpkin chucking and fruitcake toss, which we are actually on the travel channel for the fruitcake toss part of it because a lot of people do pumpkin chucking now. They used to do that. And then our number one thing that we are known for, and you will find us on those weirdo groups on about Halloween because we have a woman that we love in Manitou and her name was Emma. And Emma is the reason we do the coffin races and the coffin races are a race down Manitou Avenue where you have a person playing Emma sitting in a quote unquote coffin. It could be anything. It could be a, a lot of them are like grocery carts cause it's got to run cause it's a race. So you got to beat them to the end and the firefighters always fucking win always every year, but you have someone who plays Emma and then you have the pallbearers and they race down the end and they have meat after meat or heat after heat after heat and it is packed. I have literally yet my whole life to get to the front to actually see the race. I'm always the one who's like, I can't see anything. But you should look it up because Emma is a really fascinating person. So she came to Manitou with tuberculosis and then it ended up killing her and she wanted to be buried at the top of our mountain red mountain but it was freezing at the time when she died so they couldn't bury her very deep and her coffin in the spring ended up sliding down the mountain and slid down onto manitou ave which is why we have the races now 
I've never been to the coffin races because I have this irrational fear of crowds and I'm also 5'3 and I can't see over crowds. So I just figured I'd never be yeah. able to actually see, but I've always wanted to go so bad. I want to take you so bad, but see, I, I'm the same. Like I have yet to make it to the front, like I said, and there are so many people, but it's so cool because... There are people that are having fun with it. Everybody dresses up. There's guys who bring their hearses every year. It's always so much fun. You know, I hope to one day transcend into the full gothic bitch that I am. <laughs> but I've been, like, getting more into, like, gothic culture and really following a lot of gothic creators and stuff. And some of them have full-on hearses just for funsies. The, those are the guys that just show up just to bring their hearse and it's awesome and they'll let you look inside and shit imagine like you know how some people turn vans into like like they're like van life and they like go around the country and they're just like yeah i work an online job at starbucks and also travel around in my van me with a hearse that's what i want to do (laughs) exactly and that one actually has the leg room to lay out right be like yeah i sleep back there i'm like (laughs) dracula but a hippie dracula dracula (laughs) Wow, I've drank so much. <laughs> okay, I gotta like, oh no, I just rubbed my eyes and I'm wearing like really dark makeup. Okay. You're gonna look beautiful. Thank you. Oh my god, <laughs> fucking raccoon. I have been dreading this pronunciation and I even have a pronunciation breakdown and I still don't know how to fucking say it. You got this. I do not got this. <laughs> this one is <laughs> from the Philippines. I've only read one thing. And I'm not, okay, I'm about, I guess I'm about halfway through this vodka lemonade. Oh, jeez. Y'all know the line <laughs> when she's like, and two shots of vodka. That was fucking me. I was like, just pour it on in. And it's one of those Starbucks, like, reusables. It's actually the spider web one. It's really cute. Ooh, spooky. I know. Oh. Pa-nyang. <laughs> You did not got this. I told you I did not got this. Also, this new microphone is amazing, but it's only like super amazing if I'm like right up on it. So I'm sorry if I lean back and you get like weird sound waves. Okay. Me, 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 me. Pan yang yang lugwa. That's how it breaks down in pronunciation. So I'm only. I hope you don't have to say that. I was going to say. It's so hard. It's so hard. Okay. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful. It's literally not like I only speak like English. I'm a basic ass <laughs> bitch. I've been trying to teach myself Spanish on Duolingo, but it's still hard. So, okay. It's a Filipino tradition now mostly seen only in the provinces during which a group of children and adults. Now this was written by a Filipino woman. So when you see certain uses of like her first person, that's why. It's a Filipino tradition now mostly seen in the provinces during which a group of children and adults who may or may not be in costumes, stop by different houses on the night of All Saints Day, which is November 1st, singing and asking for alms and prayers. The people represent the souls still in purgatory, asking for prayers from the living. The tradition is based on the Christian belief that our souls live after death, and if they are not yet ready to be accepted into heaven, they suffer for some time in purgatory to be cleansed of the effects of sin. The living can help shorten that waiting by offering prayers for them. An example of Tagalog verses sung during this celebration. I'm not saying that again. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> Souls are here before your window, ringing little bells, waking up your household. If you are going to give us alms, could you please not tarry, so that the gate of heaven will not close on us? These next two days, the church celebrates two feasts in their liturgical. Oh God liturgical calendar i'm so sorry liturgical yes thank you i can't Mm -hmm. read (laughs) also i just got a glasses prescription for the first time in my entire life so (gasps) what like it's my god yeah all saints day on november 1st and all souls day on november 2nd these next two days the church celebrates two feasts in the liturgical calendar all saints day on november 1st and all souls day on november 2nd these feasts remind us of what composed the church the mystical body of Christ, the church triumphant, who are her members now with God in heaven, the church suffering, who are the souls in purgatory, and we, the church militant, still fighting the forces of evil and his tricks on earth on our way to heaven, God's everlasting treat. So their version of trick-or-treating is asking for prayer and all that. So like not quite as fun, but you know, it's a religious rendition of trick-or-treating which if the kids have fun that's all that matters i guess it you know i think that religion ruins everything but hey it you know in other societies and other cultures i'm not one to judge i will never judge anybody for being religious unless you are spewing hurtful and hateful and this doesn't seem like that so i will give it yeah if you're those type of people you can f off question you may not know the answer But this is more something that I'm just curious about. So I guess more of a rhetorical question. I wonder how did Christianity or Catholicism, I don't know which one it is. I wonder how it got there, how it got to the Philippines. It sounds like those are like All Saints Day. That stuff is very Catholic and Christian. Probably the way that it got to everywhere else, which was um, intensive violence, like the Crusades. I mean, yes, I just did. I guess I didn't realize that they really went to Asia to do that. Yeah, well, I think so. that there are certain parts because I think that especially the islands, mm-hmm. Sands, Japan, were certain. I don't know about the Philippines. I'm not that great, but I know some of them were occupied by different European that's true, like France. It, I was literally about to say France. I'm not sure That's who That's true, and they're very Catholic. It, or were. Yeah, exactly. France, Spain. There were a lot of territorial disputes over certain islands. That's a islands, good point. So Just like Africa. It, yeah. Where it was all colonized mm-hmm. and broken up. Exactly. Yeah. So this tradition is from China, and it is called... Now, again, if, if you know about any of these things, and you feel like they are incorrect take the internet with a grain of salt but i did try to find sources that were like the history channel or the smithsonian or things that weren't just like random reddit threads so these are i tried to find sources that were legit so the hungry ghost festival is one of several important festival days of ghost month in china the seventh ghost month, month ghost month yeah spooky season they have a spooky season too (laughs) exactly the seventh month of the Chinese lunar calendar. It is thought that the ghosts of Chinese ancestors are let out of hell on the first day of the month. Hell? Well, and that's the thing. Like, I didn't know. I don't know much about Chinese culture at all. But I was like, does every culture have hell? No. I think we should erase it. Honestly. I just think. Erase hell? 
Yeah, well, I think that, well, no. I think that if you're <laughs> Hitler, you should go to hell. I was going to say, I think hell is there or was there to make people act appropriately. Granted, it doesn't help anymore. But I think if you're just like one of the layman's, like just going through day to day, like, I don't know. It's really, it's really hard because most people are like you and I just trying to get through the day, like stop traumatizing people with hell. But also if you're committing mass genocide, maybe try to traumatize people with hell it's like i don't right. you know what i mean i don't know but right anyways <laughs> but yeah it's let out of hell <laughs> i lost my place <laughs> <laughs> okay here we go it has been the scariest month of the year for thousands of years they roam around looking for peculiar entertainment, and many fearful Chinese try to avoid swimming or being alone at night, lest an enemy ghost comes after them. Damn. The ghosts attack their enemies, and they might be angry or malicious in general. So the Chinese have certain traditions about what to do about the situation on the first day, the 14th or 15th, for the Hungry Ghost Festival, and the last day of the special month. The first day of the Hungry Ghost Month. On the first day of the month, people burn make-believe paper money outside their homes or businesses along the sides of the roads or in fields. Sometimes they go to temples for this task. On a road trip to China during this time, you'll probably see people occupied with this activity or find the ghost money on the ground with ashes and remains. They want to give the ghosts the money they need during their special month. People also light incense and make they may make sacrifices of food to worship the hungry, unhappy ghosts. People trust that the ghosts will not do something terrible to them or curse them after eating their sacrifices and while holding their money. They put up red painted paper lanterns everywhere, including businesses and residential areas. There are street ceremonies, market ceremonies, and temple ceremonies. During street and market ceremonies, people gather at the street and markets to celebrate the festival. At temple ceremonies, monks in the temples organize festival activities. Many believe it is important to appease the ghosts to avoid spiritual attacks. The last day of the Hungry Ghost Month. The last day of the seventh lunar month is marked with a special festival too. This is the last day that the gates of hell are closed up again. <laughs> People celebrate and observe this day in various ways. Many burn more paper money and clothing so that the ghosts can use these things in their hell society. The pictures and tablets of the ancestors may be put away back on the shelves or hung back on the walls where they were before. In order to drive the ghosts away, Taoist monks chant to make them leave. The ghosts are thought to hate the sound and therefore scream and wail. Many families float river lanterns on little boats in the evening and people make colorful lanterns out of wooden paper and families write on their ancestors' name on the lanterns and the ghosts are believed to follow the floating river lanterns away. That's cool. Yeah. So they're like, please don't fucks with us. We're going to give you all of these things for the whole month and then we're going to guide you back to hell. <laughs> <laughs> and then follow the little boats. Bye. It's just like, you're our ancestors, but you went to hell. So bye-bye. But is it is it hell hell or is it like the Greeks and Tarsus? And like, like Underworld? Yeah, like everybody goes there. I'm assuming it would be... Like, I don't know much about Taoism. I learned about Taoist, like, I learned, like, in, like, God, 10th grade world history, very briefly. So I'm not quite sure. 
So do with yeah, that agreed. I took like will. one religion class in college that mentioned it, but I didn't really know a lot. Well, and even then, how long has it been since, you know, you took that class? <laughs> right, exactly. So this one was really interesting because I feel like a country, like a co- well, continent that's neglected a lot is Africa, but this one is about Nigeria. And this is the Nigerian Odo Festival. Okay. The Odo Festival is held to mark the return of the dead, or Odo, to those still living. And this occurs in the village of Igbo, Nigeria. The festival has three stages. The first stage is observed with ritual celebrations and festivities to welcome those returning from the spirit world. The spirits stay for six or more months. So, Jeez. yeah, yeah. They, like, hang out with them for a long time. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Exactly. That's <laughs> kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Their departure is an emotional affair as they will not return for two years. Oh my god. Yeah, so they stay for six months, but they won't return for several years. So it's like seeing a loved one for the first time in two years, having an extended stay with them, but then knowing you won't see them for a long time. Right. There are Odo plays featuring different characters and costumes. Most roles are by men, with women as chorus members and as spectators. And this is biannually in April, typically. That's pretty cool. Among the Igbo people of Nigeria, the Odo are spirits of the dead who return to the earth to visit their families every two years. They arrive sometime between September and November and depart in April. Before they leave, there is a big theatrical performance known as the Awuru Odo in which masked players representing the Odo spirits reenact the story of their visit to the living and the agony of their departure. The performance takes place on a spiritual stage in the market square. Because the Odo Festival occurs only once every two years, elaborate preparations are made to welcome the returning spirits. The masks used in the performance are refurbished or new ones are made. Fences are put up around the shrines where the Odo will worship. Many of these preparations are carried out in secrecy by the men, while the women, who are totally excluded from and can have no knowledge of all the activities, oh my fucking God. are responsible for providing the food for the celebration. Well, I guess we're done with this episode. <laughs> like, well, fuck are you off now. Kidding me? <laughs> fuck you guys. I was like bebopping along, like cool, hanging out for a few months. Except for women, fuck them. You know, it's just one of those societies that is unfortunately patriarchal and just doesn't include their women unless it is specifically a gendered, which gendered in nigeria is man or woman which we don't believe necessarily that that's the case but you know in in their society is man or woman traditionally task so yeah that's kind of unfortunate but it is kind of just speaking of the visits from the dead that they do believe that they spend all of that time with their departed loved ones, like six months where they just hang out with them. That's Yeah, that's, that's really, cool. really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I know that kind of departs from like Halloween, but again, like I said in the beginning, these are things that are kind of similar to those kind of celebrations of what they originally were supposed to be. I don't think that departs from Halloween. Yeah, people have different things. Maybe they don't call it that or celebrate it at the same time, but it's still genuinely the same thing. It's about what it... It's not trick-or-treating or or getting candy or cakes or whatever, but it's what it was 
you know, originally. supposed to originally be yeah. before America commercialized it. Yeah. 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 All right. Lebanon. Eid el Berbara, or St. Barbara's Day, is a holiday annually celebrated on December 4th for the Gregorian calendar or December 17th for the Julian calendar among Middle Eastern Christians in Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, Palestine, and one little area of Turkey. It is also celebrated as Barbaroba among Christians in Georgia. Its celebration shares many elements with Halloween, though coming from a much earlier tradition and unrelated to the Feast of the Dead. Traditionally, adults and children wearing disguise go around houses in the villages, dancing and singing the story of St. Barbara, and in each house they are offered food, specially prepared for the feast, and sometimes money. It is celebrated in honor of the Christian saint and martyr St. Barbara. The general belief among Lebanese Christians is that St. Barbara disguised herself as many different characters to elude the Romans who were persecuting her. The traditional food made on this feast is berbara, a bowl of boiled wheat grains, pomegranate seeds, raisins, anise, and sugar. It is offered to children who go from one house to another in costumes. In the Middle East, Middle Eastern Christians cook a dough that is filled with walnuts or cheese. Heavy traffic occurs in bakeries because of people buying the traditional food for this holiday. Children go trick-or-treating while singing a special song for the holiday. A common practice in Lebanon on, I'm not going to say it again, that holiday, <laughs> finds its source in the story of St. Barbara, who, it was believed, was miraculously saved from persecution while fleeing. She ran through freshly planted wheat fields, which grew instantly to cover her path. This miracle is celebrated symbolically by planting wheat seeds or chickpeas, barley grains, beans, lentils, in cotton wool on St. Barbara's feast day. The seeds germinate and grow up to around six inches in time for Christmas, when the shoots are used to decorate the nativity scene usually placed below the Christmas tree. I love combining the two, first of all. Yeah. I also love pomegranates. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I feel like I would really fucks with this specific <laughs> tradition. <laughs> yeah, this one seems nice. It it does have trick or treating, and everybody gets into it. The bakeries and they hand you cakes and money. It sounds pretty fun. You know, I wish that I could. I wish that Halloween wasn't so polarizing. And I know that it's not in the way that we let kids go trick-or-treating, but in the way that we could talk about death. Mm-hmm. Because, I don't know, I just think it's something that I would really get into with, like, a community, you know? Would you like me to talk about Day of the Dead now? Yes, I would. Thank okay. you. Right. <laughs> Proceed. <laughs> Mexico, Dia de los Muertes, Day of the Dead. All right, and this is my little point on it. I will talk about Day of the Dead, but I want to be clear. Mexican people don't really celebrate Halloween. It's just another day of the week. They celebrate a very spiritual Dia de los Muertes that occurs after Halloween, in which they pray for it and remember family and friends that have died. Dia de... I'm going to get it wrong. I'm just going to say Day of the Dead. Muertos. The los is an English thing that we forced upon them, by the way. Dia de Muertos is not to be confused with Halloween and is particularly upsetting when confused to those that celebrate the actual holiday. So don't get it confused. They don't celebrate Halloween and these are two separate things. 
Okay, but we'll still talk about it because it's around Halloween and kind of the same thing. Now, Moving I'm just going to say Day of the Dead now because I keep massacring it. All right. Day of the Dead is a Mexican holiday celebrated throughout Mexico, in particular the Central and South regions, and by people of Mexican heritage elsewhere. The multi-day holiday involves family and friends gathering to pray for and remember friends and family members who have died and helping support their spiritual journey. In Mexican culture, death is viewed as a natural part of the human cycle. Mexicans view it not as a day of sadness, but as a day of celebration because their loved ones awaken and celebrate with them. The holiday is sometimes called Dea de los Muertos in English-speaking countries, a back translation of its original Mexican name. Prior to Spanish colonization in the 16th century, the celebration took place at the beginning of the summer. Gradually, it was associated with October 31st, November 1st, and November 2nd to coincide with the Western Christian triadum of All Saints' Eve, All Saints' Day, and All Souls' Day. Traditions connected with the holiday include building home altars called ofrendas, honoring the deceased using calaveras, Aztec marigolds, and the favorite foods and beverages of the departed, and visiting graves with these as gifts. Visitors also leave possessions of the deceased at the graves. Scholars trace the origins of the modern Mexican holiday to indigenous observances dating back hundreds of years and to an Aztec festival dedicated to the goddess Mixtecacutl. Sure. It has become a national symbol and as such is taught for educational purposes in the nation's schools. The Day of the Dead celebrations in Mexico developed from ancient traditions among its pre-Columbian cultures. Rituals celebrating the deaths of ancestors had been observed by these civilizations perhaps for as long as 2,500 to 3,000 years. The festival that developed into the modern Day of the Dead fell in the ninth month of the Aztec calendar, about the beginning of August, and was celebrated for an entire month. The festivities were dedicated to the goddess known as the Lady of the Dead, corresponding to the modern La Calavera Catrina. By the late 20th century, in most regions of Mexico, practices had developed to honor dead children and infants on November 1st and to honor deceased adults on November 2nd. November 1st is generally referred to as Dea de los Inocentes, Day of the Innocents, but also as Day of the Little Angels. November 2nd is referred to as Day of the Dead. People go to cemeteries to be with the souls of the departed and build private altars containing the favorite foods and beverages as well as photos and memorabilia of the departed. The intent is to encourage visits by the souls, so the souls will hear the prayers and the comments of the living directed to them. Celebrations can take a humorous tone, as celebrants remember funny events and anecdotes about the departed. Plans for the day are made throughout the year, including gathering the goods to be offered to the dead. During the three-day period, families usually clean and decorate graves. Most visit the cemeteries where their loved ones are buried and decorate their graves with ofrendas or altars which often include orange Mexican marigolds. In modern Mexico, the marigold is sometimes called flower of the dead. These flowers are thought to attract souls of the dead to the offerings. It is also believed the bright petals with a strong scent can guide the souls from cemeteries to their family homes. Some families build altars or small shrines in their homes. These sometimes feature a Christian cross, statues or pictures of the Blessed Virgin Mary, pictures of deceased relatives and other people, scores of candles, and an ofrenda. Traditionally, families spend some time around the altar praying and telling anecdotes about the deceased. In some locations, celebrants wear shells on their clothing, so when they dance, the noise will wake up the dead. Some will also dress up as the deceased. 
those with a distinctive talent for writing sometimes create short poems called calaveras, literaras, skulls literature, mocking epitaphs of friends describing interesting habits and attitudes or funny anecdotes. This custom originated in the 18th or 19th century after a newspaper published a poem narrating a dream of a cemetery in the future. And quote, it says, and all of us were dead, proceeding to read the tombstones. A common symbol of the holiday is the skull, in Spanish, calavera, which celebrants represent in masks called calacas, colloquial term for skeleton, and foods such as sugar or chocolate skulls, which are inscribed with the name of the recipient on the forehead. Sugar skulls can be given as gifts to both the living and the dead. See, I just love that. That's one of my favorites. I know it's not a Halloween tradition, but just traditions in general, I think about when we're talking about death, because, and we've kind of already talked about this, it normalizes the passing on as still being a part of the living. Mm-hmm. It doesn't separate the, I mean, it does a little, but it doesn't separate the two into completely untouchable planes because losing my dad was very like, he's gone and that's that. And mm-hmm. in Mexican culture, yes, there is death, but there's also a way to celebrate that. Whereas mm-hmm. just in my own experience, there's never been a celebration of you know that passing right it's always just been something that's been a loss and not something to yes something to honor but not something to do right do you know what I mean like no I know exactly what you mean as I'm thinking I'm sitting here going I'm Irish so maybe that's why I'm more drawn to day of the dead because in Irish stuff we have wakes wakes are all about after the funeral we go back and we party we get drunk and we laugh and we celebrate their lives it's not sad it's oh my god do you remember that fucking time when he did that shit that was so fucking funny it's that yeah i mean you know when we have in well funerals in general but like when my dad died or when people die in general we have like a celebration of life is what it's called and we try to do that and like when my dad died for example we had like a lunch afterwards and people talked and but there's still very much this air of despair and sadness now I will say I really appreciated my friends at the time we went out to a Chinese buffet and they made me laugh and you know there was there was a lot of that too but it was less about there was more like how do we take care of our friend today it was not really necessarily about my dad you know but Mm -hmm. there is some of that an attempt of that but it's not like let's go get drunk and party you know well, maybe my dad's friends did that separately, but it wasn't, <laughs> you know, right. involving my family. It was definitely a, we'll go home and, and be sad. And I think that that's why if you've experienced a profound loss like I have with my dad and like you have with your your poor baby, your cat, and it's it's different. It changes you. Mm-hmm. You know, and if there's a way to feel better about that and a way to connect with death, 
that bridges the that bridges life and death. It makes you feel like it's not so desolate. Like you can in some way still be a part of their life and they can be a part of yours, you know? Right. Well well when it comes down to it, it's gonna be real harsh. They're gone. Yeah. They're gone and they don't care anymore. Either they're up there and they're parting it up on the clouds or there's nothing or they're getting ready to be reborn. I don't know what it is, but they're done here. The grieving is all about us. So maybe don't do it in a terribly tragic and thing that's going to take you years to get over way. Well, and you don't want them, especially because both of our major losses were from horrible illness. Yeah. And it's not like we wanted either of them here suffering, you know? Right. Exactly. So, and something, this is super personal, but something that I am still, you know, in therapy trying to, I'm at the point where I'm like, it's been almost 10 years from my loss. This is going to sound really bad. Get over it. You know what I mean? Like, of course, I'll never get over the loss of my dad. I was only right. I was only 18. But you have to start living again. Exactly. And and living for yourself and not living in spite of, the, you know, and not living. Oh, my God, I had this major loss and I have to live this way because I had this loss. No, 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 no. Right. I have to live for me. Yes, this thing, this horrible thing happened to me. And happened to but my dad and happened to my family. But I can't let that define how I continue to live like I have the last like X amount of years. Well, your dad got to live his life already. He got to have his adventure and have kids and have a family. And I know it was too soon, but he got that. Don't hold yourself back from the same things. That's not fair. Exactly. And Day of the Dead essentially give the dead this one time or this this few days or, or whatever to come back but even for them not to give up their afterlife but just just this moment just a visit just a visit exactly to where they're not following you around all the time and where you're not pining for them all the time it's like a good balance between life and death because you don't want somebody's afterlife being spent dwelling on you just as they don't want you to spend your life dwelling on them because i will tell exactly. you one of the most personal things to me is that and and i will say this because yeah it's personal to me but any parent or anybody that is dying is going to tell you what my dad told me is don't let this don't let my death define your future and define you and that's one of the last things he said to me and anybody that's dying is going to tell you that they right. don't want you to dwell on they love you they want you to be happy whether they're here with it or not yeah they want you to live your life like why would my dad laying there with stage four cancer dying knowing he is dying and that the treatment is not working and that he has weeks left to live look at his 15 year old and his 18 year old me being the 18 year old and want us to just stop living not physically but mentally which we did for a long time 
you know, mm-hmm. still struggling. We He doesn't. And one of the things, and I'm not saying we all have our own journeys with life and death, but one of the things that I think is a huge disservice to the dead is to dwell on their deaths because they're not dwelling on our lives here on right, earth. Exactly. And they shouldn't. If there is an afterlife, which I don't know, that's not something I want to continue to dwell on either, which I have am, am learning. But if there is, we, I don't want my dad sitting here watching me struggle with his death because I don't think that does whatever afterlife he may be in. He needs to move on. Exactly. I would just like you do. I wouldn't want him in some limbo waiting for me and my mom and my brother to heal from his death. If that was something that was holding him back from moving on. Now I'm not saying it is, I'm not saying I even necessarily believe in this afterlife. If, but if it was, I wouldn't want him stuck there. Oh my God. Connor and I have already made a deal. Actually, it was when we were watching the sixth sense and our deal is we're not going to haunt each other. Whoever goes first, if we can, if there is an after or something, we leave some sort of symbol and then we're done. None of this haunting, waiting around, because everybody needs to move on. Exactly. If I have the consciousness to continue on, then I will, you know, say goodbye to you and you can... You, you know, wish you the best, essentially, and and continue, you know. Exactly. Just like I want you all to do. And I don't know each of you personally. There's only a few listeners. If you're, and I, this is not a plug for Patreon, but, like, I know our patrons and our, and our Patreons pretty well, or, like, fairly well. I know them more than just anonymous listeners. But even as somebody that I don't know, like, I want you to if you've had a loss, continue to live. And it's not that easy. I've been in therapy for 10 years, you know, off and on, but now consistently every week for about a year, you know, and it's not easy. And I'm not saying it's just like, yep, I moved on, you know? Right. And it's it's work. Yeah. My family has not either. I assure you it's, it's a process, you know, it's grief is not, it's a complex monster, man, but you know, your family doesn't, I wouldn't want if I passed away my husband or you or anyone else to not just stop living their life. Right. But it's not that easy. And I understand that. Right. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, all I got. And that was my last one. The last two. So I can sit back. The, yeah. The last two things <laughs> I have are much more lighthearted. Because they are actually about the history of our modern day Halloween traditions. Okay. Two of them. I'm ready. Well, one's a tradition, one's an urban legend. Okay. About Halloween specifically. So one of them is the history of haunted houses. Okay. So this one's actually pretty neat. And if you kind of know about like houses of wax and things like that you kind of know where this is coming from but 
I actually didn't want to read this verbatim when I was doing the research because I just didn't want to spoil it for myself. So I'm going to kind of read this with you. But this actually, one of them came from the Smithsonian, I want to say. Yep, the Smithsonian. Well, let's just go through this together. So this is the history of the modern day haunted house. The origins of the haunted house date back to the 19th century and date back to London when a series of illusions and attractions introduced the public to new forms of gruesome entertainment. Cool. Mm -hmm. In 1802, Marie Tussaud Tussaud, scandalized British audiences with an exhibition of wax sculptures of decapitated French figures, including King Louis the... 10, 5, 16th. I have to go through Roman, Roman numerals in my head. Marie that's Antoinette. Madame T- what? Really quick, that's that's Madame Tussaud, and Tussaud, that's yeah. the uh, Ma- Madame Tussaud's wax figures are still, there's a, still a huge oh, one in London. Oh, I know Madame Tussaud. And, I just didn't yeah. connect the dots there, because yeah. Marie Tussaud, I just didn't connect the dots. Yeah, I know Marie, I know Madame Tussaud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Her. Y'all know. <laughs> that girl. Yeah. But her wax figures is what we're getting that. But her likenesses were remarkably accurate and with good reason. She created death masks of the French Revolution's many guillotine victims. Holy fuck. So she like got the heads? Yeah, fucking guess. Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) When she set up a permanent London exhibition, she dubbed her grotesque collection the Chamber of Horrors, a name that has stuck to the wax museum to this day. At the turn of the 20th century, as Rebecca McKendry describes in Fangoria magazine, the closest relatives to the modern haunted houses began experimenting with macabre themes. In Paris, ooh, I'm really bad with Paris and fucking pronunciations, I'm sorry. The Grand Guggenau Theater became notorious for its onstage depictions of graphic dismemberment. Holy shit! <laughs> Like, wait, wait, like real dismemberment? I'm a, it says depictions, so I'm guessing they oh, Okay, just, okay. Yeah, yeah. The theater's director, Max Maurey, famously boasted that he judged each performance by the number of people who passed out shocked oh, I love in that. the audience. Yeah. In 1915, an English fairground in Liphook debuted one of the first ghost houses, an early type of commercial horror attraction. The public appetite for horror was picking up. Yeah. <laughs> Lisa Morton, author of Trick or Treat, A History of Halloween, tells Smithsonian.com that Halloween-themed haunted houses first emerged during the Great Depression as American parents schemed up ways to distract young tricksters whose holiday pranks had escalated to property damage, vandalism, and harassment of strangers. So, clearly in the Great Depression era, you can't afford that shit, right? <laughs> they came in about the same time as Trick or Treat's treaters did she said cities looked for ways to buy these kids off essentially those first haunted houses were very primitive groups of families would decorate their basements and hold house to house parties which let's bring that shit back hell yeah i don't necessarily want you to come into my house but like my garage (laughs) fuck yeah some of my favorite memories trick-or-treating granted i was terrified 
the houses that fucking made you come into their fucking haunted garage to get the candy i would never fucking go in there but like <laughs> props to them i was like no 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 i am not gonna get a heart attack for your fucking mini snickers not happening oh my god i'm struggling right now like right on the line of do i make my yard super spooky or because little kids are already having to deal with covid do i make it all sweet <laughs> Remind me to talk about my COVID plan at the end because I want to make it a thing. Okay. But it's up to you because I'm going to forget because I drink too much. Okay. And if I forget, then send me a message on Instagram and I'll let you know <laughs> because okay. it's super cute. Anyways. So where was I? House uh, to house parties. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Kids could spook themselves by traveling from basement to basement and experiencing different scary scenes. This 1937 party pamphlet. Oh, wait. I'm going to skip Ooh, that. Ooh, cool. Yeah. Well. Yeah, there's so if you go to I got this article off Smithsonian.com. If you go to this article, there's like a party pamphlet you can click on, and it's from 1937. Kristen, if especially, oh, so cool. Yeah, describes how parents could also design trails of terror to spook their children. So they were literally sitting around pamphlets to teach parents how to like design these little haunted basements. I love that. Yeah, the effects may seem familiar to anyone who has ever been disappointed by a subpar scare. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Hey, man, in the Great Depression, you know, you know. Right. You got to do what you're you You're lucky you're getting it at all. Yeah. An outside entrance leads to a rendezvous with ghosts and witches in the cellar or attic. Hang old fur, strips of raw liver on walls. Ew. We don't stand that. We're vegans in this house. <laughs> <laughs> Where one feels his way to dark steps. Weird moans and howls come from dark corners. Damp sponges and hair nets hung from the ceiling touch his face. Doorways are blockaded so that guests must crawl through a long dark tunnel. At the end, he hears a plaintive meow and sees a black cardboard cat outlined in luminous paint. <laughs> now, guess who inspired the modern day scare actually scary haunted house if you had to just guess a fucking mm, mogul a business mogul fucking controls the free world a vast company to this day that you actually hate but consume their products and their media anyways because they're just part of our childhood who is it disney how Walt Disney inspired the world. I fucking knew it. I fucking knew it. Disney <laughs> loves Halloween, which I don't get because you guys hate everything else that's spooky or terrifying for kids, right? Yep. Well, but Disney loved Halloween, man. Yep. The Hatbox Ghost is one of the most beloved attractions in Disneyland's Haunted Mansion. So, basically, Disney got us started on the haunted house like the current haunted house trends that With we the have haunted mansion that's cool yeah the haunted mansion did that so let's talk about that for a second so the scariest haunted house of 2017 so this was written near 27 so it was updated is a giant walkthrough attraction located in a former georgia antique center in the outskirts of atlanta named netherworld that features 3d special effects aerial performance and of course flesh-eating clowns Netherworld frightens so effectively, so inescapably, that people with heart conditions are warned against buying tickets. This is what a haunted house is supposed to do. They exist to scare people. The idea behind haunted houses is not new, of course. People have entertained themselves with spooky stories for centuries, but haunted houses are different because they are inseparable from the holiday that vaulted them to cultural prominence. 
The tradition could not exist without Halloween. Halloween would not be the same without it. The origins of the haunted house date back to the 19th century London, like we just talked about. But when Disneyland's Haunted Mansion opened in 1969, nearly two decades after Disney first approved some project, I don't know, the attraction, which was designed in the style of the Evergreen House and the Winchester Mystery House, quickly became a success. In a single day, shortly after its debut, more than 82,000 people passed through the Haunted Mansion. The attraction's centerpiece is the Grand Hall, a 90-foot-long ballroom sequence of dancing ghouls at a birthday party. Disney brought, to scene to, brought the scene to life through an exceptionally complex series of illusions known as Pepper's Ghosts, which used refracted light to project and shape ethereal images. A lot of the professional haunters will point to one thing, and that's Disneyland's Haunted Mansion. It's the start of the haunted attraction industry. The attraction was revolutionary. Money, money, money. Money. Constantly seeing that lately with capitalism. Capitalism. I'm over it. <laughs> what made the Haunted Mansion so successful and so influential was not its similarity to haunted houses and dark sides, that is, uh, tawdry carnival haunted houses of the past, but its use of startling new technologies and effects. Ghosts were no longer simply sheets hung in a tree, but were instead effects. Ghosts were no longer just the sheets, but were instead actual shimmering translucent figures that moved, spoke, and sang. A witch wasn't just a rubber masked figure bent over a fake cauldron, but a completely realistic, bodiless head floating in a crystal ball, conducting a complex seance. Within a few years, the haunted house had spread across the country, and there were even the United States junior chamber known as the jaycees became famous for raising money through its haunted houses the fundraising venture was successful enough to spawn its own how-to guide in california not berry farm began hosting its own halloween night attraction which soon transformed into a multi-week slate of events every year a man named bob burns attracted national media attention for his detailed recreations of halloween horror movies evangelical christians even made their own anti-halloween attractions Jerry Falwell and Liberty University introduced one of the first hell houses, which y'all know how that triggered me if you listen to the others. which hell Yeah, houses. fuck that shit, y'all. Yeah. should burn in hell. Yeah, yeah. Burn in your hell house. As Hollywood began to embrace slasher movies like Halloween. Yeah. Yep. A Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th, the haunted house industry reaped the benefits. The horror boom fueled a demand for scary attractions, not to mention cross-promotional advertisements. If you went to a haunted house in the 1980s and 1990s, you'd see a lot of Freddy Krueger, Jason, Pinhead. The haunted house industry really followed the movie industry at that time. Now, it's still a booming industry despite politicians at one time trying to take them down, religious groups trying to dismantle them, etc. I just have to mention real quick, I don't know if anybody's <laughs> ever heard, I think it's called McCamey Manor? Mm -mm. Okay. Before I move on to the urban legend I have, this thing, I don't know if it's still operational, but it used to be. And I think it's in California. It's marketed as a haunted house, but let's use that loosely. You have to sign a waiver to get in. And, and like signing a waiver is normal. Okay. <laughs> or like a haunted house. I've been to one haunted house before and it was actually a church fundraiser, believe it or not. Okay. And it was actually pretty spooky. But you have to sign a waiver 
that they can do anything to you. Like, mm, sans trigger warning. Rape. And... Like they can kill you? Mm, you may die from shock <laughs> or a heart attack. They can torture you. They can, like, slit your throat? Like, they can actually cut they, you? They won't torch. They won't slit your throat, but they can, like, let me find real quick. This place was, oh, there it is, McCamey Man. It's in Tennessee, excuse me. It's not in, in, okay, here's the website. It's survival horror is what it's marketed as. There is, there used to be a Netflix series on it. Apparently, this website is god awful. <laughs> it will, it's just animated and, oh, don't get on this website, Kristen. There's a big old eyeball. <laughs> oh, F that. Okay. 21 and above. You must complete a sports physical and have a doctor's letter stating you are physically and mentally cleared. You must pass a background check. Be screamed via Facebook, FaceTime on your phone, proof of medical insurance, sign a detailed 40-page waiver, and pass a portable drug test on the day of your show. So basically, this is not a haunted house, but I wanted to, t to bring this up because it's gained some popularity recently. It's intense audio lighting, extreme low visibility, strobe and fog effects, step in strobe and fog effects, damp and wet conditions, physically demanding environments, close contact with creatures. You might be touched. You are touched. <laughs> the board. Not recommended if you are pregnant, claustrophobic, have seizures, heart or respiratory conditions, or are a big wimp. Um, they used to touch you a lot. They used to shove you in sensory deprivation chambers i mean if you look up mckamey manor it'll come up i think that they have been shut down and reopened but they used to basically actually do faux kidnapping and then like literally put you through hell so wow but that's not a haunted house but yeah so haunted houses it, that's how they came about i wanted to bring that up because i was thinking of like the halloween traditions that i see pop up all the time and i was like we're going to talk about trick-or-treating because that came up with right. like Halloween traditions. And I was like, ooh, where did haunted houses come from? That's and when cool. I was looking up haunted houses, this other article came up that was actually really interesting to me. Unless you have anything to add to haunted houses. I do not. Other than that, I don't do them. I watch horror movies in the safety of my own home. No. The one haunted house I went to, like I said, was put on by a church and it was not Hell House, which was terrible, but it was actually put on by a church and it was actually done pretty well. The last room I went into, it was, I went with one of my friends who was a big weenie and I, and my, <laughs> my dad took me shocking i know no way yeah i know it was no. so funny i love that they did this i'm i'm i think a lot of places may do this but i've only ever been to one i would go again but i've only ever been to one and the last room was this big white room with these big white pillars and some like strobe effects 
And they basically had Leatherface in there chasing you around this room with a chainsaw. And so you're running around screaming. And this guy is basically trying to chase you to the exit. And so when you find the exit, you don't really know that you're running out the exit. But you know that you run out this hallway. And you're just like, I was like 14. You run out screaming. And you run out screaming into like the snack bar. So all these people are just like <laughs> sitting there waiting for people to run I out screaming. I love that. It's so good. I it was love so that. So we Sit ran out screaming. Fries. And yes. yeah, and then like people are just like sitting there eating, like just like it's a show, you know. I would we just ran sit out there the whole time. Yeah, we ran out <laughs> screaming and they're just clapping, you know. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it was pretty good. So this urban legend is poisoned Halloween candy. Which dun, dun, dun. my parents always checked my Halloween candy, and yeah, this is no why. razors, no poisoning. Correct. Yeah, this is why. Is poisoned Halloween candy a terrifying threat or an urban legend? Many, if not most, reports of Halloween sadism are of questionable authenticity, write sociologists and criminal justice experts Joel Best and Gerald T. Horiyuchi. Ooh, that's the last name. When they conducted an extensive study on so-called Halloween sadism or crimes specifically committed using Halloween treats or customs, they concluded that the threat is greatly exaggerated. Though both parents and kids are taught to be on the alert for tampered with sweets, most of the cases the researchers analyzed were either overstated or could be linked to Halloween itself. Best and Horiuchi suggest that fears of Halloween sadism rise during fearful times. For example, paranoia around tainted Halloween candy spiked in the early 1980s after a rash of Tylenol poisonings in which cyanide-laced acetaminophen was placed on store shelves and sold. The high-profile crime led to the introduction of childproof containers and tough federal laws aimed at punishing those who tamper with drugs. After the Tylenol murders, which are still unsolved, warnings about adulterated Halloween candy increased. While the fears may be overblown, Halloween crimes involving poison have occurred. In 1964, for example, a New York woman named Helen Feel was arrested for handing out things like ant poison and dog biscuits to kids. When questioned, the housewife said that she was joking and that she just gave the items to kids she felt were too old to be trick-or-treating. <laughs> and on that note, if a teenager comes up to your door trick-or-treating, just give them the fucking candy. They could be out doing drugs, but they're trick-or-treating. I will literally not yeah. care if a 21-year-old comes up to my door. I will give you fucking candy. I don't give a shit. You could be 40 and trick-or-treating. I don't give a fuck. Anyways. I just love that people still care about Halloween, to be perfectly honest. I don't give a shit. Yes. Thank you for keeping the tradition alive. <laughs> Though no children were poisoned during the incident, law enforcement didn't find her actions funny. <laughs> I find it hilarious. Not the poison part, but like Down. the dog biscuits. Yeah, that's awesome. The most infamous Halloween poisoning took place on October 31st, 1974. That's when a Texas man, of course it's Texas. Of course it's Texas. Sorry. Named Ronald O'Brien gave cyanide-laced pixie sticks to his five children, including his son. The other children never ate the candy, but his eight-year-old son, Timothy, did and died. Aww. Though nobody saw O'Brien put the cyanide in the candy, investigators learned that O'Brien had recently taken life insurance policies out on his children. He was convicted of murder and executed via lethal injection in 1984. Though it's been decades since the crime, the Candyman murder still looms large in the memories of many parents on Halloween. 
But it was his own kids. Oh my fucking god. Whatever. Yeah. Perhaps because of O'Brien's notoriety, parents can still be skittish when it comes to Halloween candy. Authorities can be too. Despite the fact that rumors of randomly distributed poison candy or threats like apples that contain razor blades are nothing more than urban legends. For example, when a seven-year-old California girl collapsed when trick-or-treating on Halloween 1990, Santa Monica police confiscated kids' candy. However, her illness was later discovered to be caused by a heart murmur, and when examined, she showed no signs of poisoning. The U.S. doesn't have a monopoly on poison candy horror stories. In the 1980s, a crime ring called the Mystery Man with 21 Faces blackmailed Japanese candy companies with threats that it would lace their candy with... I'm assuming cyanide, but I'm turning the page. I was correct with cyanide <laughs> if they didn't offer large ransoms. At first, it seemed like just a threat, and stores pulled large amounts of candy from store shelves only to find that it was not poisoned. The blackmailers struck again a few months later. This time, their threats were in earnest. Packs of cookies and candies laced with cyanide were discovered on store shelves in central Japan. Fortunately, nobody died from the poison. Though the chief of the Shiga Prefecture Police Department eventually killed himself because of his failure to stop the crime ring. But, honestly, the biggest crime we see during Halloween is drinking and driving. So between careening cars, the poison-peddling housewife, the murderous dad, and the mysterious ways of the mystery man, trick-or-treating may never seem as sweet again. But... I don't really give a shit. My kids, if I ever have them, will do them. And honestly, like, maybe this is regular. I, I completely understand stranger danger and checking your can kids' candy. I'll never judge you if you want to check it. But I just don't see how you check it without, like, eating all of it and potentially, like, dying <laughs> yourself. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I just... I mean, I just know the whole, uh, if anything has opened already, throw it out. Which is really unfortunate because... This girl can bake, and I really wish I could give little kids, like, cookies and stuff, because that'd be awesome. Oh, my God. I've gotten really into, like, royal icing, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I really want to, like, when we do giveaways, <laughs> foreshadowing, like, bake cookies and, like, send them, like, the cute little Halloween ones with the royal mm -hmm. icing. I don't want anyone to think that I, like, fucked with their cookies. Especially, Poisoned like, it. during the pandemic. Like, I totally understand I would be masked up and everything. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't want anyone to think that I would do something, like, horrible. Yeah. But, like, I understand that I'd probably be wasting my time because they'd probably get thrown out because they weren't right. packaged. But, like, exactly. to, that's fair. Like, I may do the same thing. I just... <laughs> unfortunately, you just can't trust people because, who knows, people are fucked. Right, so. exactly. Yeah. But, like, that's all I got. So... And Woo. I didn't drink my entire drink, but <gasps> it's not looking great. <laughs> Look at I you. I did eat all my popcorn, though. So Good job. And I haven't eaten dinner yet, and I really have to pee. So so I guess we're done. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not in a rush or anything. I just, you know, I'm just letting you all know where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything else. I also need to pee. <laughs> well, I'm sure that they... Oh, or y'all I mean, are all grateful for that information. Two hours. You all got a lot of information from us that wasn't urination. So that's true. That was only <laughs> a very small part of it. <laughs> well, I guess you know. Moving into October, if you are, this is our second year of October. So if this is your first October with us and you didn't binge our content, first of all, go do that. Second of all. <laughs> 
we go fucking hard. That's the second time. Second time I've said that in this episode. <laughs> we don't fucks around for spooky season. No. Let me tell you, you're about to get spammed with so much content. Yeah. You're not going to know what to do. And if you're a patron, you get even more. Exactly. So, Patreon.com slash The Extra Sisters Podcast. It's pretty good stuff. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little biased. But we're even planning on doing more for our patrons in 2021. Because 2020 fucking sucked ass, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah. So we'd really like to do more for our patrons in 2021. And also working on some fun stuff so you know hit it up if you want some exclusives over there and some more content and some more movies and you get to request movies and all that fun stuff and you might get to even hang out with us and drink more i don't know i don't know what's coming i don't you but we're working on it so (laughs) head on over there hang out with us if you want thank you to our patrons we really appreciate you guys and get ready for october buckle up until next time stay creepy 